Are we live? No, because this is not a live podcast, because I record these at midnight. Welcome to Don't Forget to Live, episode two. We got some big things in store for you guys. First things first, we are going to be talking about Conor McGregor and his future as a UFC fighter, considering his last fight had a very, um, let's say, shaky ending. And we're going to let you know our thoughts on how he will go on in the future. And yes, I said hour. And by hour, I mean I am bringing in an MMA fighter to talk about this. He's a future professional. And we're going to give our thoughts on the Conor McGregor situation. But, don't think that's all. We're also going to be talking about my first time doing stand-up comedy live on a stage. Yes, that happened. And we're going to be talking about that. Did I flop? Did I do good? Was I laughing on the way home or was I crying on the way home? You will, you'll never know. Actually, you will. Because we're going to talk about it. And I said we're, again, because we're going to have some guests for that segment too, I'm bringing in that MMA fighter once again because he was there, as well as another friend who went there and saw it live. So you guys will hear their impressions along with mine, see it from both perspectives, and I'll let you know the details of what happened. So ladies and gentlemen, grab your popcorn. Grab your favorite drink. And if you don't like popcorn, throw that to the side and get you a good snack that you love. Sit back, relax, play your favorite video game, and hit play on this podcast, and just enjoy the ride for the rest of it. Here we go. Let's get started. All right, so I am here talking about the UFC. And there is a freaking train that you can hear because I am outside in the wilderness. And by the wilderness, I mean a park. That's just perfect timing. Exactly. And who did you hear there? Not a ghost. That is my guest for this segment of the episode. And you may not know him, but he is an MMA fighter, a future professional. You will know him. Ladies and gentlemen, Lane Ritter. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. No problemo. And you're probably wondering, why is a stand-up comedian having a fighter on his podcast? Well, I'm here to talk about Conor McGregor and his future. Because if you ask someone, a random person, once a day, what they think of him, it's 100% a completely different response. And you might just think, well, just because someone fights doesn't mean he knows anything about who other fighters. Well, let me just answer, let me let him answer this for himself. How long have you been a fan of Conor McGregor? Ever since uh, around 2008, uh, I saw a lot of his fights on Bellator back in the whenever the European circuit got really large. And you know, uh, I think I started watching him like hardcore after he won his second title in uh, Bellator. I think it was the 155, if I'm not mistaken. And ever since then, I've just been a huge fan of him. As you see there, that is what an actual fan looks like. Because I am tired of hearing so many people saying that they are UFC fans when they haven't even watched a full fight. They've watched YouTube clips, and all they've seen is Khabib win a fight, and that's all they know about the UFC. But let's be honest. In my opinion, I think if Khabib would have fought at least another year, he would have taken an L. What do you think? I agree with that. Uh, MMA's a very complicated sport, and a lot of people don't 
really understand the intricacies and the things that go into fighting. And a lot of Khabib's style is being unexpected, is faking one way and hitting you in another way. Like what he did against Conor McGregor, you know. Yeah, he yeah, he yeah. set him up with takedowns. He set him up with takedowns and then used strikes and then used strikes to set up takedowns. I mean, certain fighters have certain tendencies. Nobody's perfect, just like a fighting, just like sports. No, no sport is perfect no athlete is perfect no fighter's perfect so every every individual has holes in their game whether it be personal or re- in fighting you know every fighter has their holes so somebody would have found it and Khabib definitely would have been, been defeated if he did not retire soon and those are my thoughts exactly just because like you said everyone has their holes and everyone has their weaknesses and I mean maybe Floyd Mayweather went undefeated but not only is that a completely different sport, but let's be honest, if you keep going, you're going to lose at some point. Eventually. Eventually, you're going to hit a stepping stone or somebody's going to get better. You know, somebody's going to work harder, work better. Um, somebody's going to catch up to you and somebody's going to see the holes in your game. Like Floyd has holes in his game. It's just in the time frame that he was fighting, the opponents he was facing, you know, uh, they just weren't able to crack it. Um, I think Maidana was the closest one to do that, but, you know, when you have a technical mastermind like Floyd Mayweather, it's really hard to pick him apart unless you are a technical mastermind yourself, which boxing's not filled with a lot of those, so, especially at that time, so Floyd got away with it. Exactly, and why are we bringing up these fighters who are undefeated, who have a perfect record? Well... We're bringing this up to show you that nobody's perfect, and people seem to forget that when it comes to Conor McGregor, because he has taken some losses, he hasn't been the fighter he used to be, and people just constantly are talking about how he's just a marketing tool, he's not good enough, and they just try to make him seem like he's not a real fighter. Those are people who haven't seen what he's done before, but... You know, we're here to talk about his future, not what he's done before. What do you think McGregor has to do to become a top five fighter again for the next couple of years? I feel like he just has to go back to the drawing board uh, realistically. Um, you know, back back in the day, you know, the Conor McGregor that I watched going from 2008 to around 2015... He was a martial artist, you know, he right. he was a mastermind of his craft, he was obsessed, first of all, you know, money changes a lot, so um, it, it might have done something to his mindset or something like that, but it it seems like he's a lot more focused on the striking aspect and not as mi- mixed martial arts as a whole, and you can't, it's impossible to get away with that in MMA, it's impossible, right, yeah, you yeah. can't just strike in MMA, it's MMA, you have to learn the intricacies in every single art rather than just striking because somebody's gonna it's easier to have holes whenever you ignore half of the game you know mm-hmm. it's like being a football player and only shooting threes I mean eventually it's not gonna it's gonna stop working you know um, so you gotta go back to the drawing board you gotta add more weapons you have to be unexpected at the same time you know imagine if Connor just suddenly became really good at grappling you know, just devoted tons of time to it, tons of resources, first of all, which he has enough of. So he has enough money to hire whoever he wants, bring in whoever he wants. He could do it. Right. And just to clarify, he's an MMA fighter, not a football player. 
but he does know that football players don't shoot threes. Let's make that clear. <laughs> Did I say football? Yeah, you said football I thought I said basketball. Yeah. That's my bad. It's all good. He's not Stephen Curry or Calvin Johnson, so <laughs> just ignore it. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's hard seeing uh, you know regular people judging somebody that is so success so much more successful yeah. than them mm-hmm. especially i mean the internet is just a whole other story in and of itself you know comment sections are filled with um just toxic people people that want to bring other people down just for the simple fact that you know they're jealous or they have something that they don't or some other reason that causes them to be insecure but um even people in the MMA community have seemed to turn against uh, Connor. I, w- I feel like less because of uh, his performance in the Octagon lately, but more of his personal decisions, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I'm i not going to sit here and defend the guy all day. He's done a lot of things that are not great, but who hasn't? Who, ha- who, has, done, who has not done stuff that isn't great even Khabib's done horrible things people don't really realize but some people are so biased that they're willing to look past other fighters issues and other fighters you know problems I mean and then they're willing to sit there and judge Conor McGregor for every little mistake that he makes you know nobody's talking about TJ Dillashaw's you know getting caught for using steroids nobody talks about that because not a lot of people care about him you know Mm -hmm. what I mean unless you're super into the sport you're not going to see Dillashaw's, you know, Instagram being flooded with comments. Oh, you suck. Oh, you're, you're Connor McTapper. Or whatever. Everybody wants to talk about it, but um, it's just haters. It's just people. It's just sound. So yeah. I feel like if Connor's gonna be successful and if he's gonna come back, he has to take it seriously and he has to be on Twitter less. That's. I feel like there are a lot of athletes that can follow that. It seems like Twitter, Instagram, have really caused a lot of athletes to just become idiots really i mean if you're a football fan and you know who juju smith schuster is you probably hate him because he does tiktok dances on your home on your home field and i won't even be a fan of the team he's doing it to and it drives me insane so that is the impact social media is having where you're having professional athletes become idiots because I mean, let's be honest, they're just like us. They see social media and want to get on it too. But when you have a platform where everything you tweet is seen by the world and by ESPN, and you're going to get yelled at by Stephen A. Smith and people like that. So if you're pursuing to be an athlete, maybe hop off, tw- hop off the bluebird a little bit less because you're not going to do yourself any favors. And I think a lot of fighters don't really recognize that um, and they use those platforms almost to get some sort of validation. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I really value my the opinion of my fans, which is important, but fans are important, but listen, fans aren't going to win you titles. Fans aren't oh. going to make you successful. At the end of the day, what makes you successful is you, and, you know, not even just Connor. Every, every fighter, every person needs to recognize that. It's not other people's opinions. It's not other people's views. It's you at the end of the day. Exactly. You decide whether you're successful or whether you're not. It's that simple. By the way, that doesn't count for stand-up. Please be a fan of me. I love every one of you that listen. And Manscaped, please sponsor me. <laughs> um, also, with Conor McGregor, the reason a lot of people are talking about him is his recent fight against Dustin Poirier. 
one of the most hyped up fights of 2021 and it had one of the most disappointing decisions of 2021. Do you think that that loss should count as much against McGregor as people are making it seem? Um, no. But I also don't think that it sh- it should be counted against Dustin as much as people are, you know, right, uh, right. against him at the same time. It's the same thing, you know. Uh, Connor fans are going to hate on Dustin and you know, Dustin fans or, you know, anti-Connor fans, as I like to call them, are going to hate on Connor just because he lost. So at the end of the day, the decision was made. What happened was shocking. Nobody, you know, you go into that fight, everybody's predicting a Connor McGregor, McGregor KO, a Dustin Poirier decision, uh, just about anything other than what actually happened. Right. You know, nobody was surprised to see anything happen except for, you know, Connor went for a guillotine attempt. Nobody expected that. You know, uh, Dustin, I mean, the dude hopped on him after he broke his foot. I mean, it was just, it was insane. It was crazy. Nobody really expected it to go how it went. But um, it's it sucks. But at the same time, it's like you, you got to own it and you just got to move on from it. Um, and that's all I really have to say about that. If you can hear some noises, um, that is not people screaming. I'm pretty sure those are coon dogs. And when I say that, do not cancel me. Around here, coon means raccoon, the animal. Grow up, people. It's 2021. Let's not be idiots. (laughs) Anyways, my opinion on that is pretty much the same. It shouldn't really count against either of the fighters. But I do think there should be some sort of rule change because a fight where neither fighter really had an upper hand and one of them suffers an injury, should that really count against the fighter? I, I mean, In other sports, there are no, you know, just because your quarterback tears his ACL and he t- gets taken out of the game, it's not like everyone's like, well, we're going to hand everyone out a win here, you know. But that is a team sport. And this is an individual sport where if one man goes down, that's it. That's everything. And... I don't think that they should count an L for McGregor. I don't think there should be an L or a W for Poirier, but not going to be any changes now because this has happened before, and if they change this, they're going to have to change several other decisions. But in my opinion, from now on, it probably won't happen, but from from now on, any sort of match like that should just be a no contest, in my opinion. I I agree because, I mean... Connor didn't expect that to happen. Right. Dustin didn't expect that no. to happen. That's what a lot of people don't realize. When Dustin saw Connor McGregor collapse to the floor, that's probably the last thing he thought happened. He's probably thinking, "Oh, I hurt him," or "Oh, he's gassed." Right. So the last thing he thought in his mind was, "Oh, Connor broke his shin." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't on purpose. Dustin didn't do it. That's already been proven uh, by doctors and by analysts of. MMA in general, that's already been debunked. Everybody wants to say that it was because of the checked kicks. Half of the ones that people were saying were checked weren't checked. Looking back at the fight in slow motion and stuff, you can watch um, if you go back. It it should be on YouTube or something. You can go back and look at it. But um, And then another theory was that it was like his elbow, but then you go back and see it and you can tell that the elbow had no, mm-hmm. had no collision with the foot. And then all these doctors are like, hey, man, even if it did, 
there's it's impossible to separate somebody's leg with that amount of force. It just wasn't enough to do that. So it was probably a it was probably a camp injury, or he already he already had something messed up with his foot, and then yeah. you know his camp, you know, being focused a lot on kicks didn't help that, and then it probably was just a lead up into that unfortunate thing that happened. But um, the first round, I, f- I feel like it showed promise for both fighters. You know, mm-hmm. Connor landed some really heavy shots. As expected, uh, Dustin took him as expected. You know, Dustin tried to wrestle around with Connor as expected. You know, they were on the ground for a little bit. Connor took some shots. Connor defended a lot of shots. You know, and then they got back up, and then that happened. I mean, nobody could say for sure what would have happened in those next four rounds. So, I guess we're just left up to speculation. Yep, and I mean, everyone's talking about how well it, it doesn't matter because Dustin would have beat him anyway he won that round that's the thing about the ufc just because someone wins one round doesn't mean that he's going to win the next because he could he could have even won round two and then gotten he could have gotten knocked out in the third round that's just ufc anything like that can happen so when you see someone win a round don't think the fight's over i guess except in this case the fight was literally over because he broke his leg but (laughs) that's not the point i'm trying to make um so when you see something like that, it's it's different rules. Things it's just not. It's one of those what ifs. You can make a hundred different what ifs because who knows? Maybe Dustin would have broken his leg in the second round. Right. It's just a random speculation that you can't really make. And a lot of people, especially MMA fans, don't really know. They they see the fights, but they don't know what they're watching. You uh, know, yeah. they don't know the. The things that go into the sport rather than uh they, they just watch it see it and oh my guy won or oh my guy lost mm-hmm. you know so when people see that and they're all glorifying you know what dustin did or demonizing what connor did or this and that it's all noise and it's all smoke and i think both fighters need to stay away from it because you know too much good talk can also get to a person you know if mm-hmm. dustin if dustin lets people blow smoke you know, he's he's going to slack off a little bit, and he's not going to improve as much as he has been lately. Yeah. So I think they both just need to quit listening to people's opinions and just train hard, you know, never stop learning, and never be closed-minded, and they'll, they'll turn out how they should. You know, hard work. Alrighty, that clip cut off, and no, this is not one of those funny TikToks that seem really edgy. I just accidentally went to my iPhone's camera. <laughs> I'm really starting to hate iPhone, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> the moral of the story is really just this. Conor McGregor has a future, all right? No matter what you say, he's been a killer in the past. He can still be a killer. And yes, this is a critical injury, but he can come back from it. And let's be honest, if anyone can, Conor, it's Conor McGregor. True, very true. He's been through. He's been through plenty of injuries. I mean... This isn't the first one, and it's just the game of fighting. You got to go through that. You got to go through it, and just keep pushing and come back. Anderson Silva came back. Mm-hmm. Chris Weidman's gonna come back from it. So, why not Conor McGregor? You know, uh, definitely not the end of his career. And I think people are over exaggerating his loss, especially against Khabib and against Dustin. I mean, they're both number one contenders and champions. I mean, if you're gonna lose to anybody, lose to them. You know, exactly. so. I feel like he definitely has a future in the lightweight division, especially. So, 
if you guys think Conor McGregor's career is over because he broke his leg against the fight against one of the number one contenders, please go outside and touch grass. So, like I said in the intro, I went on stage for the first time. And, like I said at the beginning, it could have went bad or it could have went good. And you're going to hear it from me. I think it went great from my perspective. And my perspective is people laughed. And people afterwards were telling me that they liked it. So I'm going to assume that that was, that that was very good. Obviously, because you come to stand up to laugh. And if people are laughing, then that's a good job. But I have two people with me here now that were actually at this event last night in Tulsa at the Looney Bin. You heard him earlier talking about Conor McGregor and his broken leg. Rest in peace, his leg. <laughs> Lane Ritter. And another friend that was at the show, Avery Longshore. Thanks for having me. No problemo. So, from the crowd perspective, since you guys could actually see people, because from where I was at, the lights were blinding, and no, this is not a weekend song. <laughs> could you tell how the crowd was reacting? Like, you know, were they, were they like, could you tell if it was like fake laughs or if they were just genuinely intrigued by the, by the guy from Stillwell, Oklahoma? Oh, they were very intrigued. Um, a lot of people, first of all, when you asked, you'd asked people if they knew where Stillwell was right. and didn't get very many like, oh yeah, me. Um, but you did ask about the Strawberry Festival and that got people riled up. Um, but aside from that, there were some people next to us who had been drinking a little, but they seemed to be the one, the live of the, the audience, I guess. And they right. were the ones that really, um, laughed at the good jokes. And they also had comments about the people that didn't have good jokes either. And uh. I was actually listening to them. And so they laughed at pretty much all the all the bits you had and that's what i noticed i was like hey if these if people not around here are listening to you describe still oklahoma and laughing about it and enjoying what you have to say about it that's awesome exactly. and so a lot of the people around definitely enjoyed it and to clear up any confusion last night was an open mic night there were seven open micers and a headliner who had a feature and a host. But I was one of the open micers. We each had five minutes on stage, had to tell our bits. Mine was about Stillwell, Oklahoma. I mentioned that in the last episode. Not exactly a place known for nice things, but hey, now I'm gonna try and get it known for a place where some idiot talked about it on stage. So there you go. Um, but other than that, would you guys, do you guys like, how'd you guys like the club in general? Because it was, that was one of the few comedy clubs I went into and it felt like it was just made for comedy. So like, what'd you guys think of just the club? Honestly, whenever I first, first pictured it, I pictured some place like bigger, but whenever you go in there, everybody's so welcoming and it's, it's just like a certain kind of energy that I haven't felt before. And everybody's, you know, coming in for a, the same cause. Everybody just wants to have a good time, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can see it on everybody's faces. Everybody's going in there. They're all laughing, talking. Um, all the staff were really nice, you know, from the waiters to uh, 
all the people that were joking around and stuff. Uh, even the audience, everybody was really welcoming and paying atten- attention to everybody, not just mm-hmm. the main event. So it was just a good vibe all around, you know. Everybody's drinking, you know, everybody's having fun. It was just it was just a good vibe, and it was very entertaining. I agree with him. Um, when you first walk in, it's like a room full of couches, and then there's, like, ticket booth, and you don't picture that being the first thing you see when you walk in, but then they send you to another room, and it's like this big room full of just people laughing, because we had got there right on time, and it Which is actually just... late. <laughs> Um, and, well, like he said, it was actually very welcoming. I had been to a couple comedy clubs before, and it felt like those comedy clubs were also made for other events. So, Mm -hmm. like, the spaces were out, and, um, I just didn't feel like it was made for comedy, like other places. They had, sure, they had lights, sure, they had signs, but not like the loon event. I don't know, it was just a, just, like he said, the energy in there was awesome i was intrigued i could see everything the stage was just perfect size and good enough to interact with the audience so uh i just like the setting in general really set up for a good performance it was very unique if if one were to describe it it's very unique. yeah oh yeah i haven't been to a lot of comedy clubs but the ones i have been to just feel like like she said it felt like there was it was made for more than just that and that's because it is when you search comedy club on Google, just trying to find one. In Oklahoma, you're only going to find... There's two Looney Bins. There's one in Tulsa, which is where I was at last night. And there's one in Oklahoma City. And other than that, there's not a lot in, in uh, Oklahoma. There's the Bricktown Comedy Club. That is more of a high-end one. They have open mics, but they're really hard to get into. And most of the time, they're hosting big names a lot of the time. So... In, or for this area, Looney Bin and OKC and Looney Bin and Tulsa are really the only ways for small timers to really show what they got. And for the most part, I think all seven of us did a fairly good job. I mean, of course, you had the guys who were nervous, who've never been up there before. But you also had the guys who knew what they were doing. And they weren't just thinking, no, this is my time to shine. Screw everyone else. I get my five minutes of fame. I don't care how he does. No, that was not the vibe at all. As soon as I went in there and started talking to the other comedians, they're just giving each other advice, letting each other don't do this, but do that, don't do this, and never wear shorts on stage is always the biggest help that everyone ever says. One guy did wear shorts on stage, and let's just say he didn't do that great. But hopefully it wasn't because of his shorts. But you never know. He was also wearing a jersey, so that doesn't help either. Because you want to have your own look on stage as well, I feel like. Because that can help you sometimes. Like You look presentable. People are going to think, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Because if you wear a nice shirt, a good pair of jeans, and your shoes don't look like they just came out of the safari desert, um, you're going to look decent and i'm safari desert doesn't really make that much sense in my head now that i'm thinking about it but deal with it um dirty all right that's what i meant (laughs) if you look like that no one's no one's gonna want to see you if you just look dirty they're gonna think geez what did this guy come out of the trash bin across the street because he probably did it's tulsa oklahoma but (laughs) honestly (laughs) 
Oklahoma in general, let's be real, um, no one's going to want to see someone who doesn't look professional. So, I f But I feel like mostly everyone did pretty well. Um, you had a few guys wearing polos and khakis. You had, there was this one guy, his name is Michael Patton, a very hilarious comedian. Please look him up. He's, he's really funny with what he does. He is 63 years old, and he went up there in a suit and tie. And he... And just because he did that, people remember him more, I guarantee it, because he had his own look. You saw him and thought, that's that guy. He looks legit. I bet he's funny. And guess what? He was. That doesn't mean if you wear a suit and tie, you become Dave Chappelle. But it does mean that if you have a presentable look, people are going to respect you more. And it could even make people more inclined to laugh because they feel like you're an actual comedian. So... Brings me to our next point. Did you guys think that the other comedians really? Could you could you guys tell which ones were the f like first time on stage, and could you tell which ones have been doing this for months? I definitely could. I mean, I agree. From the way they approach the stage, the way they the looks on their faces, you know, um, just subtle tells. You know, it's little nervous ticks or. Even their voices, sometimes you can right, tell right. That there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of nervousness yeah. in there. And uh, But it was like, it was interesting for me because it's like you, you're seeing these guys, it's their first time on stage, and it's sometimes it's make or break, you know. And even even though you're nervous, you know, you still go out there and you still perform. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, no matter what. So, you know, I thought it was very interesting and very entertaining, not only to see the people that were you know, have been up there, know what right, they're doing, right. and killed it, but also the dudes that are just trying it out, mm -hmm. just now uh, getting into it, and, you know, doing a good job, you know? Yeah, and part of a good comedic performance really is the matter of good public speaking, and um, some people, some people are made for that, and some people aren't, and some people, um, I mean, it's a tough thing to work on, it's, I don't know, some people, they got up there and it was like a matter of eye contact. Eye contact really, even though, like like Chase said uh, at a point earlier, off. I am the comedian, not Chase, to you at least, get that right? <laughs> um, he had mentioned the lights on stage, which um, kept him from really looking at people. Um, Yes, true, you can't really see anybody upstate on stage. Maybe that's the point to help you really focus on your own self and your own bit and stuff. Um, but really also like smiling, um, mm -hmm. pointing, maybe, maybe not directly pointing at somebody, but also like hand m movements and... Um, Point at the ugliest person in the room <laughs> and it'll get you a guaranteed laugh. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... Um, definitely things like that that um people notice um mm -hmm. makes people look more natural makes them look less like they're forced up there um and you could definitely see that from some of the other first timers up there and i will give them i will give them a huge round of applause because some people i definitely could not have walked up there and did what they did so i definitely give you props up there because you seemed like a natural when you went up there and that was Thank the first you. time that's another thing that i wanted to talk about was like how how natural it seemed like it was for you and I think that's what kind of makes it or breaks it for some people because their first time it's like man that can 
haunt you if you do really right, bad, right, right. you know, and it can bring you down if you do really bad. So, you know, I feel like that was the point where it's like, okay, am I going to do it or am I not? And you did it. And that's the important part, you know. Um, body language, of course, is mm-hmm. one of very important, you know. Some people get on stage and they look like somebody's holding them at gunpoint. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, just be yourself, go out there, perform, and, you know, the laughs will come. You're just being yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And to be fair to these other comedians, I'm not hitting on any of them. I have so much respect for all of them who went up there. But But the thing is, I don't think they realized how difficult it can be to do stand up because. Anyone can, technically anyone who isn't a little chicken about talking in front of people can get up there and do it and talk. But it's different than doing that school report you did that you got an A plus on. That doesn't mean anything when it comes to stand up because that is something that someone else has written down that you did research on. Stand up comes from you. Every word I said was something I thought of on my own. Because if you don't do that, people are going to eventually catch on that you're stealing other people's jokes. It happens all the time. There's this one comedian that has a joke about parking spaces and how guys see parking spaces the same way they see girls. That joke was actually from a movie. And when people figured that out, that comedian went way down. And you might not know what joke I'm talking about. It is from the movie The Joker with um, Walking Phoenix comedian is talking about how guys see girls as parking spaces with the way they choose them and basically saying that they're not that picky with how they choose girls it's just let's see if this works um and a comedian who uses that i'm not gonna use his name because i'm not trying to bash anyone on this podcast unless it comes to that point where i have to don't mess with me um (laughs) he went into a deep slate of not doing any comedy and it really hurt his career because he stole jokes and technically as an open micer maybe people aren't going to notice because people come to open mics not because they're a big fan of someone going because they haven't heard of half the people going they go to open mics for the experience open the, the difference between going to a comedy show featuring kevin hart and a comedy show featuring seven guys who live out of their car um is that the guys who are trying to uh become stand-up comedians at open mic nights they're the guys who have never have they may have not done this before and if they have they're trying to get their name out there so they're trying their hardest on stage they're doing what they can to get promotion so everything that they do is towards their future is their towards their future but these guys like who have already made it these professionals they don't care because that same joke they told you at that club last night is the same joke they're going to tell the person at the next club and i have tons of respect for the featured uh comedians last night cam bertrand and isaac allen they're great comedians but like i said tulsa is just another pit stop for them and that's how most comedians see these places is just another pit stop but open micers seem to have you know, for like for me, I'll always love the Looney Bin because that's the first time I ever got on stage. So I just think that if you are wanting to do stand up, if you have that interest, just go to an open mic and feel it. Because if you freak out and worry about how other comedians do this and this comedian does that and 
this comedian tells you not to do this, you're not going to make it because instead of forming who you are as a person, you are going to be forming yourself into Kevin Hart, but you're white and maybe taller, hopefully taller. And who wants that? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see Kevin Hart, but six foot tall. And no one wants to see Kevin Hart white because right. that would just really, that sounds weird and terrifying. <laughs> it's a movie they've already seen before, you know? Yeah, that's probably Kevin Hart's next movie, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, just have that feel of personality. Because you could tell, like, I could tell at least. Could you guys tell, like, which comedians were, like, had their own personality on stage and which ones just seemed like they were writing down stuff and said, screw it, let's get definitely. it Definitely. I definitely did. Like, it's like they just pick little bits and pieces from other comedians and they're like, well, if I'm like this guy, maybe I'll be successful because this guy's successful. Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, you got to be authentic. You got to be, because people are a lot smarter than other people give them credit for. Mm -hmm. People can see through that. You know what I mean? If you're an act, it's, you're going to be seen through. You have to perform. You have to be yourself. You have to get up there and be yourself. That's the most important part because it's like, if you want people to come back and see you, you got to give them a reason to. If they've seen exactly. you 500 times, nobody's nobody's going to even recognize you, let alone want to see you because you're not authentic, you're not being yourself, and you're not unique, you know? Right. And I've noticed that a lot of comedians, like, they use things that are relatable, which um, people like relatable things. People, That's how people interact. We find things that we have in common, right? And um, that's what a lot of people enjoy being yourself being saying things about yourself um maybe saying things that you've i don't know been through like Mm -hmm. i mean genuine just genuine being genuine is what really draws people to you and just your personality and it's real that's 100 percent the most important thing being genuine and being from a small town as a comedian, it has been almost impossible to find stuff to do because some people listening to this may know, but I have done stand-up, but it's been on Zoom online, and it has been shows where everyone else is muted and everyone's camera is turned off. And all I can see is my reflection in my MacBook. <laughs> it's just looking at me like, please stop. And every joke I say is more silent than a joke told by a white person in a very urban club. (laughs) Which I'm sure would be a completely different animal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But my main point about that is um, when I tell these jokes about being from Stillwell, that is something no one can steal. If someone tries to say that they are from Stillwell in the future and they... I know they're lying because I would have seen them at Walmart at some point. <laughs> because let's be honest, in this town, you have seen everyone at Walmart Run into at some everybody. point. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> a five-minute trip to Walmart to get some ibuprofen and some Swiss cheese turns into a thirty-minute conversation with your teacher from fourth grade. That is just how it goes around here, and it's great. It gives me content. It gave me my first bit. But it also meant I had to drive two hours just to have an open mic night. And like I said in the last episode, some people can just go walk their street and then find a comedy club doing open mic. 
And I'm sure there are other places I can go to, but none of them as professional, at least professional seeming, because places like the Looney Bin have been the only places that I've been wanting to do stand-up, because everyone there just seemed like they loved being there. Like, everyone in the crowd, like, while I was watching the other comedians, just seemed like they were invested in the humor, and not just because someone told them to come. And all the other comedians just seemed like they loved it because, I mean, if the crowd is loving it, you got, and you're loving the crowd back, that is just a great connection you can have and it's not available at tons and tons of different clubs you go to. Like, I will hear these comedians kill it, absolutely destroy a bit. They're doing great, their timing's perfect, they have great personality and everything they're saying, but the crowd's tough. The crowd is quieter than that train that you just heard. Um, they just don't, the crowds just don't seem into it. And it's probably just because they don't really care that much because comedy is not important to some people. And that's fine, but I just hate seeing that in a comedy club. Like picture a football game where everyone in the crowd is from Europe and they hate American football. It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> you would just hear boo for boos for everything, <laughs> except that one foreign player that turns out to be the kicker kicks a field goal. Then you hear hey ole ole ole, but other than that, you're gonna hear nothing. And I just hate seeing clubs like that. And sadly, they're out there. But the Looney Bin was nothing like that. Because I thought my bit was funny, but my biggest worry was, is this gonna be a tough crowd? I've never been to this club. I've never seen clips from this club even it's because they don't allow uh, photography in the club but you know still I've never seen anything from this so I had no idea what to expect but sh I just want to give a thank you to everyone who's in that crowd because everyone just seemed to have a great time and it seems like they were allowing themselves to have a great time because in this generation it seems like the cool thing to do is hate like if you hate something you're cool and if you're like that well, joke's on you, because I hate you. <laughs> but that just seems how it is anymore. But that club just had full positive energy from the moment that I walked in to that area. I want to give a thanks to the manager, too, because managers get a really bad rep for being hateful in any store, in any type of restaurant or club or whatever. She was one of the nicest people I met. She was really understanding. She was apologetic to the comedians who weren't able to perform. And so I want to give a shout out to her and just the club in general. And to kind of like wrap this thing up, I want to ask my guests here. Do you guys think that even if it wasn't me, because you guys technically did come just to kind of support me. Right. Would you go back to that club if you had the opportunity? I definitely would. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because I mean... I'm a big fan of comedy anyways, like, you know, mm -hmm. I've always been a fan of Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Kevin Hart, different people like that, um, it's just a good way to have fun, let loose, you know, uh, kind of just take time, chill, laugh, and it's just, there's a certain energy that live comedy has that not a lot of other things have, and it's just... It's very unique, and it's something that you either love or hate, but I love. And it's like, 
you're you're sitting there, you're chilling, you're having last week with your friends, your homies, you know, and you just get to enjoy the ride and see what it see what it what takes you, you know. Um, different people performing, you know, you're gonna get different looks, you're gonna get different styles, you're gonna get different people, and it's all unique and it's all entertaining and it's just fun. That's it's just that simple. It's amazing. Exactly. Wait one second. Honk your horn if you love comedy. All right, so the train wow. hates comedy. I'm glad that engineer wow. did not show up last night. He, uh, he would have been a horrible crowd member. And I know he didn't show up because everyone in that crowd was amazing. But, sorry to interrupt. Avery, give me your thoughts on that. All right, well, I would 100% go again. Um, like you said, comedy is my favorite genre of anything. Um, whether that be podcasts, movies, just just stuff in general. Um Laughter really is the best medicine. Um, that was and, <laughs> and um I would definitely go in a setting with my friends, um, people that I would just enjoy laughing with. It's a time to just almost like you're stepping away from reality into another like world to just laugh right, and, right. and and there's like no there's no problems. Even though you may talk about problems, it's like there's no problems there. And the energy is so much different rather than stuff like a concert or just stuff where there's just anything live in general um one of the best things and most comedy clubs aren't big they're um sit down they're just small right. groups and i think that um like the comedian being being um, engaged with the audience is just a whole nother experience in general and i think that people should definitely just even if they are not there to watch somebody, or even if they are to see somebody famous, I mean, go take the time right. to go watch a comedy club, especially right. a small town one like in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely worth a visit. It's a very unique experience, and mm -hmm. you know, it's a time where people can just not take life as seriously. Exactly. You know, That's exactly. it's yeah. just you know, even at concerts and stuff, sometimes people get you know so involved in concerts because you can relate and the music makes you get all up in your feelings yeah. and stuff and maybe the hard times you've gone through but it's like comedy you, you see your whole life and you just get to leave it behind the door and just go in oh, and yeah. not take life seriously and it's like it's just a, a unique one-of-a-kind experience that you won't get anywhere else the Tulsa Looney Bin was a great club I can't wait to go back I won't be able to go back in August because the way they have it set up you can't go back two months in a row but in September I'm going to try to go back also in September listen closely I might have something lined up I don't know the exact details of it but it could be through a company called 918 comedy don't don't take that with a grain of salt because that's not set in stone but I am in the works on something and hopefully I can keep doing this I will keep doing this, but as more shows line up, the more I'll let you know. And on another note, like I said at the beginning of the episode, August 1st, my song Snakes drops out. It's really hard to say snakes without sounding like I have a lisp, but that drops August 1st because I had some issues with my recording system. But the I Won't Be Made a Villain album slash EP is coming out on the 12th. I had some plans that were canceled, so now I can put some focus onto that, and I will get that dropped out August 12th, and if I don't, you can shoot me in the back of the head.
you're hearing this, and I'll we'll post it on TikTok. I promise you that. Probably go viral. That would go viral. Yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. be, because I mean, let's be honest. People go really famous once they're dead. So like, if I die tomorrow, <laughs> These make me famous <laughs> and make my tombstone sponsored by Manscaped. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you on episode three.